going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check. And by the time you listen to this, it should be clicked over into the 31st. So, first and foremost, Happy Halloween to all of you from me, probably the biggest lover of Halloween and goofy shit in existence. If you haven't gotten that hint already from all the Halloween Havoc coverage and uh, all the, basically, the way everything else has sort of gone by the wayside on this channel so that I could talk about Halloween Havoc. Um, on the tune of Halloween Havoc and scary shit and whatever, I finally got around, for those of you that have been watching the Flix Fix series, I finally got around to going and seeing Saw 10. If Saw is your jam, go see Saw 10. It is absolutely fantastic. Now, why am I reviewing Raw tonight? Because, as you guys know, there wasn't a WWE last week this week, and there won't be a WWE last week next week, because we've got a pay-per-view coming up, which means you guys are going to get a preview from me on Friday. But, it's Halloween. <laughs> and I want to talk about more Halloween stuff. It's the Halloween episode of Raw. I was expecting more goofy Halloween stuff than we got tonight, I'll be quite frank. But also, there were several news bits going into this show that I just really wanted to talk about. Mostly because of my NXT-related biases. Now, speaking of NXT, before I go any farther, you guys know I've been doing the NXT Rewind series. And I'm happy to tell you, already in the can, already loaded up on uh, all my platforms for release, November 18th and December 30th are the next two episodes of NXT Rewind. November 18th, you will be getting my review of NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1, and December 30th, one day before New Year's Eve, you will be getting my review, my retrospective, I guess you could say, of NXT Respect. Obviously, the uh, pay-per-view back in full sale, headlined by the Iron Woman match between Bailey and Sasha Banks. Had a lot of fun doing both of those, and for the most part, my biases towards Sasha Banks do not shine through on those particular reviews, because while I have my biases, I'm not, in fact, a liar. So please go check those out while you can. Uh, if you're listening to this right now, you've got about... I don't know, 12 hours to go back one pod and listen to my preview for night two of NXT Halloween Havoc, and we will get on to tonight's show. Tonight's show is opened up by Judgment Day, and I should be more specific, seeing Judgment Day represented by Ripley, Dominic Mysterio, and J.D. McDonough. The other boys are waiting in the back. They brag about running Raw. They brag about injuring Cody Rhodes. They talk about how Dom is going to take out Ricochet tonight, how J.D. is going to beat up Seth Rollins, which is a lofty task, how Drew and Seth have both received offers from the Judgment Day, and somebody needs to make the right decision, and how Rhea Ripley is going to go to Crown Jewel and destroy Everybody, they're interrupted, sorry, by Sammy Zayn, who's really fired. Everybody on this show was really fired up tonight, kind of like that. A couple more surprising people we'll talk about later on. He's sick about hearing about the Judgment Day and how they have all the power and all the influence and all the championships and how they run Raw. Uh, he goes on a big, and I, I say a diatribe, but I don't mean that in a bad way. He goes on a big diatribe about the corruptive nature of seeking power. And if you guys are seeking power, then my name is Rebellion. I will, I will fight Judgment Day because I have fought people like Judgment Day before, obviously making reference to the bloodline. I will fight Judgment Day until Judgment Day is no more and I will do it by myself if I have to. Rhea Ripley, interestingly, and they, they touch on this later on in a backstage segment, but she offers up a match with Damian Priest tonight, who's not in the ring with them at the time, which is interesting. Um, 
Dominic says, why don't we just deal with him right now? They sort of round up on Sami Zayn a little bit. Who gets saved by Ricochet? Because Ricochet is coming out for his match with Dominic Mysterio. Um, later on in the night, I don't know, I don't have it written in my notes, but I'll just say, uh, Damian Priest, rightfully so, kind of, goes on a, on a tear of, like, hey, there's not supposed to be any leaders in the Judgment Day, but I don't see us making matches for you guys, and then she just kind of smooths it over by the way, ah, come on, man, you're the big, you're the big tank, you're the big punisher of the group, that's why, that's why we threw you up in there, and, uh, you know, it's not going to be about Damian Priest. It's going to be about all of Judgment Day. And J.D. McDonough is very, very much in the locker room with them. But they and commentary both make a point of mentioning that uh, J.D. McDonough is sort of trying out for the Judgment Day. It, it, it still boggles my mind a little bit. And I'm probably the only one that's bugged by this because Judgment Day are one of the coolest things in WWE right now. They tried to recruit AJ Styles, they tried to recruit Matt Riddle, they tried to recruit Jay Uso, they're trying right now to recruit Seth Rollins and or Drew McIntyre. Um, but JD McDonough, who wants to join the group, they're giving him a hard time about joining, mostly Damian Priest, let's be real, but they're giving him the hard time when they've tried to recruit pretty much everybody else. Pretty much everybody else. Anyways, Dom and Ricochet was exactly what you thought it would be. Going into the show, I thought it was for the North American Championship, but then I remembered that tomorrow night on uh, on Halloween Havoc, he's defending it against Nathan Frazier, which should be a lot of fun. Dominic, going up against these indie-style high flyers, is becoming sort of a staple of both Monday and Tuesday nights. And like I said, Dominic Mysterio ain't any kind of five-star match classic guy, but he's becoming quietly, although, like, initially he was the character that was kind of fun because he kind of sucked. Like, Dominic doesn't really suck anymore, which is kind of cool. Holds his own with Ricochet, which is no small feat. Um, he does a nut shot with the ropes, but he he doesn't... He doesn't kick the ropes like people would do to do a nut shot, and he doesn't, you know, do a mule kick when nobody's looking. He basically grabs Ricochet's leg and pulls Ricochet into the ring by the legs, so he's he's not hitting Ricochet in the nuts. He's hitting the rope with Ricochet's nuts. I don't know. It was different enough. I don't. I, I spend way too much time trying to explain that. Ricochet takes a hard turnbuckle to the sternum, Bret Hart style. Um, he hits a great. Uh, it's a great sequence where there's a couple of rolling verticals into a standing star press. Ricochet has one of the, I mean, he does a running one as well, but he has one of the greatest standing star presses uh, that I can think of. Now, I'm not a big indie guy. You guys will bring out a hundred people that probably do it better. That's fine. It's fine. Also, totally randomly, uh, if you haven't seen Bound for Glory and you haven't heard about the, the, the switch over from Impact back to TNA, whatever, uh, I will be doing something on that at some point when we get more of an idea what that's going to look like. But, my God, go check out Will Ospreay versus Speedball Mike Bailey. Fucking awesome. Um... Combination of things happens kind of all at once. Uh, Rhea Ripley distraction, a JD McDonough interference, and a roll-up by Dominic Mysterio using the ropes gets the win. Post-match, Ricochet manages to fire off a super kick on JD and a recoil on Dom. He's going to go hit the 450, and uh, Rhea Ripley pulls Dominic Mysterio out of the way to safety. We get double video packages. We got a video package on DIY, who are making their return tonight, and we get a video on the Creed brothers, who are making their Raw debut tonight. And in a nutshell, that's why I was excited about this show. DIY are back. You guys know I'm a huge fucking mark for DIY. 
I'm a, I'm a mark for Gargano, I'm a mark for Ciampa, I'm a ma mark for the rivalry that they had, and I'm a mark for the team that, <coughs> that they are. And the Creed Brothers making their debut against American Alpha is fucking sick as well. American Alpha, or sorry, not American Alpha, Alpha Academy, sorry, American Alpha, again, go back to uh, NXT Rewind and what I was recording over this past weekend had American Alpha in it, uh, Chad Gable and Jason Jordan. Bummer that Jason Jordan got injured, and he's got a backstage role now, which is fine, but really would have loved to see that team go a bit farther. Anyways, Alpha Academy put the challenge out there after their successful German house show tour, where they were announcing the bash in Berlin, which I'm sure we will talk about at a later date. And he says, you know, how about a, how about a open challenge on Monday Night Raw? And then it was answered by Julius Creed, and who went on to say... Hey, we're going to answer this open challenge on Raw, and then we're going to have the tables, ladders, and scares match on NXT the next night. We're going to have a heck of a week, basically. American Alpha. Sorry. Alpha Academy. I'm going to do that a lot. Alpha Academy versus the Creed Brothers. Holy fuck. Crazy, crazy amateur wrestling for the good majority of the first bit of this match between Chad Gable and Julius Creed. Um, they do the handoff suplex. He gets him up in the upside down position for the vertical suplex, tags his brother in and hands him over. I'm doing hand motions even though this is an audio platform because I'm special. Brutus uh, finishes off the suplex and then Otis tags in and we get big beefy men slapping man meat between Brutus Creed and Otis. Um, tandem exploder suplexes by Otis and Gable on the Creeds. Uh, ankle lock by Gable, a huge Samoan drop by Brutus on Otis. Caterpillar by Otis is always going to be fun. And then Somebody went for a pin, and then somebody else came off the top rope, and then somebody else came off the top rope. All four of them kind of piled on each other. If I tried to tell you who was on top of who was on top of who, I don't really know. I think Otis was on the bottom. It's fine. Ivy and Maxine Dupree, like, almost on cue, start arguing on the outside. Tazawa tries to calm the tensions between the two of them, and Tazawa gets suplexed by Ivy Nile, who's awesome. I wish this had been a six-person tag, not because I particularly want to see Maxine Dupree in the ring, no offense, but Ivy Nile should have taken part more in the spotlight of this, which is why. But, it happened. Julius Creed struggled for a second. Julius Creed managed to get Otis up on his shoulders. Brutus Creed went up to the top turnbuckle, and they hit the doomsday Brutus ball on Otis for the win. And I, I know I, I, I reference what culture a lot, but if I had Adam Wilborn's friggin' soundboard, I'd be hitting the Rene Paquette, oh my god, because... That's it. That was the match. That was the awesomeness of the match encapsulated in about the last five seconds. I think this was a lot of fun. It's way better than I'm giving it credit for. It's way better than I'm reflecting in my very, very tired voice. Creed Brothers better be staying on the main roster because they've got nothing else to do in NXT. There's a bunch of people that I could say that about. I could say Carmelo Hayes. I could say Roxanne Perez. I could say Tiffany Stratton. I could probably say Lyra Valkyria, even though she just became the NXT Women's Champion. Um, but the Creeds are right at the top of that list, and if they're coming to the main roster, Jesus Christ. Give me the Creeds versus New Day. We already saw it once in NXT. It's kind of a bummer that the Usos are split, because the Creeds versus the Usos would be fantastic. Creeds versus the reunited DIY, which we'll talk about later, would be fantastic. Awesome. Really, really awesome. And really cool to see sort of the discourse on so, uh, at least my portions of social media. Because when was the last time you got that there was such a positive anticipation for a call-up from NXT? And when was there this much of an anticipation for a tag team? 
WWE doesn't have the best track record of treating their tag teams properly. Look how long it's taken them to put DIY back together. But really, really cool. Um, we go back to some video footage of last week replaying uh, Judgment Day injuring the ankle of Cody Rhodes and then Newt, uh, Judgment Day are in the back. They eventually end up having that conversation I talked about a second ago where Damian Priest is kind of pissed off that somebody else made a match for him. But before we get to that, we have Judgment Day interrupted by trick-or-treaters and the trick-or-treaters are the Judgment New Day and, and uh, Kofi Kingston has a takeout container painted purple like like Damien Priest's Money in the Bank briefcase and it's just yeah it's it's New Day doing I'm 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 not rolling my eyes but like it's New Day doing exactly what they do which is absolutely fine we got Ms TV or it was at least announced as Ms TV featuring Gunther now I wish I hadn't read the rumors but there were rumors circulating most of the day today, and you couldn't really escape them, that WWE are going to at attempt a Miz face turn, at least temporarily. Don't know how that's going to go. Miz is one of those people like Alexa Bliss, like Charlotte Flair, etc., 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 that people are never going to give a chance to. They're not going to say, oh, look, it's failing. They're going to say, oh, no, that's going to fail, so anything positive that happens, I'm just not going to acknowledge it, which is kind of shit. Miz mentions the bash in Berlin and introduces Gunther three or four times. Gunther doesn't come out. Vinci and Kaiser come out and says, you know, you do not, uh, you don't call on the ring general. You don't call on your kind of champion because you are exactly what's wrong with WWE. And then Miz banters with both of them. They banter within each other, which is kind of par for the course. Very, very cookie cutter WWE tr uh, promo at this point. Eventually, Gunther comes out, uh, tells Miz, you know, I didn't want to be on your show. How is it in 2023 you are hosting a talk show? Everything you do and everything about you are beneath me. I don't respect you. I'm the greatest Intercontinental Champion ever. And he says, you can't even take yourself seriously. Miz, who can do this, and I'm not going to get up on my, my pulpit. I'm not going to get up on my high horse. But I will say, people that say that Miz can't do this are, are just wrong. He does get serious. He does talk about the historical like like flagpoles of his career. And he ends it off by talking about how important it was for him to get his hands on the Intercontinental Championship and try to put some prestige on it. And it doesn't necessarily, because he's not saying anything that he hasn't said before, but he does have a way of as goofy as he is and as much as he takes a lot of the WWE uh, heel comedy shtick on the chin and makes himself look like a goofball so willingly for the betterment of everybody he's in the ring with, he does have a, a way of, of sort of pulling it back and actually being serious. And when he talks about the brief period of time where he was the Intercontinental Championship, holder and making it worth something I always think I mean he can't mention it now because Ziggler's been let go so they're not going to let him mention Ziggler but the feud he had with Ziggler over the Intercontinental Championship was cool it was probably one of the last times before Gunther that the Intercontinental Championship was a talking point and when he gets serious and when he actually does get in Gunther's face a little bit the crowd does rally a little bit not overreacting, not saying that all of a sudden he's the great white hope, but he they do rally a little bit. I was really glad to see that. And, you know, Imperium start trashing the stage and whatever, and Miss goes and takes a shot. Like, he's like, 
he they said it on commentary like he might be a goofball he might not he might have these underhanded tactics he might be a bit of a an egotist and an asshole but he won't be embarrassed and he won't have his pride insulted and taking the turn from that angle i don't want to say it's like MJF because it's not what MJF is doing in AEW is fantastic but to have this mostly asshole character who can still ha have that particular red line in the sand where he will put his foot down and he will say, no, I'm not letting you step on me like that. And he will step up and punch Vinci and Kaiser and try try for Gunther, even though Gunther left him laying. Um, he, gets, he gets his ass handed to him a little bit. He basically steps out, walks away, which I don't think is a cowardly heel thing. It doesn't take anything away from the whatever little tiny turn he made tonight because a babyface walking away from a three-on-one advantage is just being a smart babyface as far as I'm concerned. But what hits while he's going backstage is the DIY, the new DIY entrance. And I'm not going to lie, it's a little generic and the neutron is a little colorful but i don't care diy is one of the main re when you guys hear me say at nauseum that i long for the takeover era the old black and gold era f when i say i long for triple h old school rock and roll black and gold nxt a big part of that is diy and are they going to be the same on the main roster no because it's the main roster, and they're inter interacting with other main roster people. But it's still really fucking good to see DIY. I don't care. Like I say, not sure about the new music, not sure about the, the Tron, because it just looks like a cartoon character of Johnny and a cartoon character of Tommaso, and the difference between the two of them is one of them has a big beard, and I don't... When the match starts, I don't care about any of that. Now, presentation matters. Don't get me wrong. Please don't get me wrong. If they could have the original DIY music before they put lyrics to it and made it Johnny Gargano's music, just the instrumental version, and give that back to them as DIY as they were back in the day, would I love that? Absolutely. I would. But the presentation lasts about a minute, and then the match starts. And it's all the vintage DIY stuff from the cor the corner double step up in Siguri to them being proud of themselves and sitting side by side on the apron and doing the aggressive like pat on the back thing. Gargano hits a dirty spike DDT on Vinci at some point. They do a whole lot of other just signature DIY stuff. Uh, the only thing we didn't get, we didn't get a Willow's Bell, we didn't get a Slingshot Spear, but what we did get was a meet in the middle, which, again, after the video package we saw of them from NXT, was just seeing them hit the meet in the middle, seeing them say, okay, that's one. Like, we've, re we've reunited, I think they said the last time they tagged together as a team was over three years ago. I don't know if the math is exactly right on that. Uh, what they were saying on commentary, but I'll, I'm willing to go with it because they had the tag team and then they had the rivalry that ended in one final beat, which is awesome, even though nobody wants to admit it. Um, this is awesome. I, am I marking out? Is this strictly biased? Is this strictly right up my street? The Creed Brothers' debut was, like, objectively awesome. This is subjectively awesome, right up my street stuff. I love this. And like I say, if you give me DIY versus the Creeds next week, I will be a happy guy. It's fine. You know what's who's not a happy person is Candice LeRae. <laughs> Candice LeRae is taking on Zia Lee after the cheap shot last week. Both of them get video packages as well. I should say, all the women 
that are competing in the Fatal Five way at Crown Jewel for Rhea Ripley's Women's World Championship also got video packages. So everybody got a little bit of exposure and then something to do on this show, which was like it seemed like a definitive choice tonight to to do so, which was really cool. But Candice Ray's facing Zia Lee. Indy Hartwell's in Candice LeRae's corner. As I say, they both got video packages before the match. Lots of yelling and cheating tactics from Zia Lee, including tying her up in the apron. Candice LeRae has a bunch of babyface flurries. Zia Lee hits her with a knockout kick, and she just goes down, and the match just kind of ends. And if they want to do it that Zia Lee has kicked off Candice LeRae's head because she's going to go challenge Becky Lynch later on in the night, which we'll talk about in a second, that's fine. If this was a legitimate injury playing out in front of us, I'm really scared, actually. Um, we've heard on the other side, and this is not a dig, I just want to wish this guy the best, uh, apparently Daniel Bryan caved in his orbital bone. That doesn't sound like very much fun, he just came back from a broken arm. I don't know. Uh, injuries aren't fun, no matter who's got them, no matter who's receiving them, no matter what company they happen in. Um, general, just let's feel good stuff. Daniel Bryan has had enough injury. sorry, Brian Danielson, uh, has had enough injuries. He's come back from the major one, then he broke his arm, and then he, now he's broken his orbital bone. <laughs> I... He, apparently he's going to miss Wrestle Kingdom, which I don't. I'm not a New Japan guy, but I know that like that's something he wanted to do. That's really shit. Candice LeRae got her bell rung in this match. If that's legit as well, a um, lot of lot of mixed emotions in that family. Johnny Gargano just got back with his buddy. They just teamed up for the first time in three years, and then less than ten minutes later, he potentially saw his wife knocked out on national television. That's that's a really big seesaw to go through in about 10-15 minutes time. So, hope everybody's doing okay. Hope it's a work. If I'm, if it's a work and I'm getting worked, then cool, absolutely fine. But if it's real, then just best wishes to Candice LeRae. She's never, Candice LeRae's never really gotten anything to do any real traction on the main roster. So, oh, it's really just unfortunate if it's true. Now, Speaking of things that are unfortunate, you guys know me, I'm a huge, huge defender of WWE most of the time, and there's some things that I just don't like, and what I'm about to say for the next two, three minutes or so, not everybody's going to agree with me, and you know what, that's absolutely fine if you guys take it as, your, as part of your entertainment, that is absolutely cool, but they did a big video promo with Drew McIntyre, and it's filmed in the Performance Center. Because that's where he won his championship, in front of nobody, while uh, while the COVID stuff was going on. And I'm sorry, like I said it a while ago when New Day were using that to pick on him, and now I'm going to say it again as they're using that as the linchpin of this heel turn. Don't get me wrong. Drew McIntyre, when he fully goes heel, is going to be great. He's going to be a monster. He's going to give us great matches, he's going to do great squashes against smaller baby faces, and he's going to do all the cool things. But it, it's not on for me. It's do the heel turn, tell, you know, allude to it, 
uh, allude to the fact that, you know, when I finally reached the mountaintop the first time, it wasn't how I wanted it to be, and nobody got to see it, and when I reached the mountaintop the second time, all oh, the bloodline screwed me, whatever the case may be. They actually had footage of news reels announcing the COVID pandemic in his video package. And... I'm sorry, no matter how good the story is, no matter how good the heel turn is, it's not worth it for people that are not, and I'm not saying this for myself, I'm very lucky, I never stopped working, I have a job that was considered essential, I'm not going to go into it much more than that, but I have a job that's considered essential, I never lost any income, I didn't really have an interruption in any of that, so I'm speaking from a very lucky position, quite frankly, but other people aren't. And I'm sorry, and I know I said, I talked about the uh, Juice Robinson MJF thing and all the anti-Semitic stuff that they did on AEW, and I'm going to apply the same logic here, because I'm trying to be as fair as I possibly can. It's a very different issue, but people that are suffering, recovering, trying to get their lives back together, some people who might have lost their jobs, lost track of their... Uh, friends and family may have lost family members or friends over the COVID time. Maybe they're trying to get themselves a place to live again. Maybe they're trying to find a new job and all that sort of thing. You watch TV, you watch wrestling, something as goofy as wrestling specifically for an escape. And when you do something like this and make it not be an escape anymore, you're doing a disservice. And that might make me sound like, like I say, like I don't want to sound like I'm getting up on my high horse, like I can tell WWE what to do. WWE's done a lot of shit stuff in the past as well. But, I don't know. Because it's not directed at me, but I'm taking it personally on behalf of anybody who might be taking it personally. And I really don't want to say that in a way that oversteps my bounds. I don't want to talk for anybody else, but... It's like I said with the AEW thing a couple weeks ago. Even if it doesn't bug you, you know it's going to bug somebody, and that should be enough. The other side of that coin is Seth Rollins comes out for his match with J.D. McDonough, and he cuts a promo on Drew McIntyre and basically says, Hey, man, with all due respect, Crimea River, you didn't get the title uh, win moment that you wanted, but like you've got it way better than most people. Most people lost their families and their friends and their jobs and their houses and, and their security and... You know, ultimately, like the worst, worst of the worst case scenario, they lost loved ones. They never got to see those loved ones again. They never got to see those friends again. So if you think you've got it bad just because you didn't have a title win the way you wanted, like, go fuck yourself, more or less. And the problem with that is, and the way WWE is going to get away with this, is Rollins' promo speaks for all of us in a fictional sense, but everything he's saying in that fictional promo underlines why they shouldn't do it in the first place. And I hope that makes sense. I really do. Um, if I take my own opinion out of it, if I take this opinion that I'm sort of keeping pretty close to the chest, and I know it's not an opinion that everybody's going to resonate with, so thanks for allowing me this time to vent my opinion that not everybody's going to agree with. If you put that aside, the video package for Drew McIntyre and his story and all that kind of thing and where his anger is coming from and what that anger is going to turn him into, objectively great. Seth Rollins' response, uh, you know, being sort of man of the people and being like, hey man, get over yourself, there's people that have it way worse than you, objectively great. <laughs> I'm just not receiving it 
personally. And I would really love, like, uh, this is very much a one-way conversation a lot of the time. You guys listen if you listen. You guys don't listen if you don't want to listen. But um, I'd really love to hear some people's responses on this. I, w I really want to know what you guys think. Because I, I feel like I might be s stepping out on a limb a little bit that not everybody's on. So if you guys can give me some feedback on that specifically... Uh, I would really appreciate it. Throw it down in the in the box below, or hit me up on X at Spaz Phoenix. Um, gonna move on to something a lot happier now because while he's cutting his promo, Rollins is jumped by JD McDonough. He gets a shot to the back. There's some general brawling stuff uh, and a backdrop out of the ring by Seth Rollins. JD, the way he takes that backdrop out of the ring, he eats the floor with his whole goddamn face. Um, I'm. I'm all for J.D. McDonough as a new guy on the roster. Somebody like Seth Rollins going out of his way to make J.D. McDonough look like a million bucks, which he did, is awesome. And I, I hope J.D. gets a, a push. I know a lot of people don't like him. He's not everybody's cup of tea. I like that. But at the same time, this is the main champion on this show. He's got a title defense this Saturday. I think he might have given J.D. a bit much. Again... Again, tell me down below if I'm wrong, if I'm being way too nitpicky. Priest comes down with a ref and the briefcase to distract Seth Rollins. It's different than, oh, all the Judgment Day are coming down to fuck up Seth Rollins. Priest coming by himself with the briefcase and a referee is a different kind of mind game, which is absolutely fine. Uh, at some point in the match, J.D. McDonough hits a really awesome standing Spanish fly. Uh... Seth makes a lot of attempts at the pedigree, and a lot of them are countered, but about the fifth attempt at the pedigree, followed by a stomp, gets the eventual win for Rollins, where he just slips right out of the ring, right into Priest's face, and basically says, why the fuck don't you do something? And that's pretty cool. Priest playing the games is cool. Rollins answering the games face-on is, is equally cool. Um, Natalia versus Chelsea in the Trick or Street fight, it was nothing, it was pretty lame. Chelsea and Piper Niven came out dressed as the Heart Foundation, and Natalia went, came out dressed as the Bunny. And I'm gonna leave that the way it is. It's every Halloween-themed brawl you've ever seen. They do food stuff and candy stuff. They take a pumpkin off the table at one point, and one of the pumpkins has Nikki Cross's head in it. For reasons, Chelsea hits a powerbomb on some candy corn for the win. And even Michael Cole says, you know, back in the day, it used to be thumbtacks and broken glass, and now it's now it's the dreaded candy corn. So, like, he's, he's absolutely fine. Michael Cole, I got to give him credit, because when he threw to the Candice LeRae video package, he called her Candice Michelle, and then for the rest of the evening, took digs at himself, let Wade Barrett take digs at him, put out this, like, profuse apology to Candice LeRae. Michael Cole does... I know, I, And again, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea. As far as I'm concerned, he's no Jim Ross. But the guy... The guy will always have my respect. Uh, because he takes every sling and arrow from every fan out there for not being, you know, Gorilla Monsoon or not being Tony Schiavone or not being Jim Ross. And whatever commentary you hear on whatever WWE product uh, you watch or listen to, uh, Michael Cole's overseeing all of it. And he's doing commentary on two of their three shows. So the fact that he can make a flub like that and then own himself 
for the rest of the night. Be the butt of the joke. Be the commentary version of Miz. Be like, yeah, I fucked up. Let's make a joke about that for the rest of the night. And then he, at one point he even says, getting old is hard, folks. I'm like, all right, Michael Cole's doing okay. As I said before, all five women throughout the course of the night that are in the Fatal Five Way at Crown Jewel got their own video packages, which is awesome. The last one obviously being Rhea Ripley. And I'm sorry, Rhea Ripley's a fucking star. Somebody was releasing the stats earlier today, and it's like, um, how many times people have Googled such and such person, and it's like all the women in WWE, and it's like these little squiggly lines, and then like this sharp uptick for Rhea Ripley. And it's like, people are Googling her, people are watching her, her segments are making... Um, making stuff happen. The people that immediately want that title to be sacrificed to Bianca Belair kind of make my head hurt. Bianca Belair came back like a week and a half ago and she's being handed a title shot already on SmackDown. Let's not make the same mistake at WrestleMania, please and thank you very much. Um, we get some more announcements. Sami Zayn versus JD McDonough has been added to the kickoff of Crown Jewel, which is interesting because I read that and I kind of tried to think because they've sort of weaned off of having important matches on the kickoff. But Sammy versus JD will be a good match. He says he's going to take on the Judgment Day one by one. So JD McDonough, after uh, after the main event here tonight with Priest, if he's going to do it systematically, then absolutely fine, absolutely cool. We got a fatal four way next week. Miz is pissed off about his interaction with uh, Gunther. Ricochet is pissed off about what happened with Dominic Mysterio. So. Uh, Adam Pierce tries to appease him with a shot at the Intercontinental Championship. Bronson Reed wants another shot at Gunther. And Ivar is going on a singles run because we don't know when Eric is coming back. So the four of them are going to have a fiddle four-way match next week on Raw. And the winner of that will be the one that gets an Intercontinental Championship shot. Now, looking at those, Ricochet has fought Gunther for that title. Reed has fought Gunther for that title. Miz probably doesn't need a shot at the Intercontinental Championship, but I'd still like to see it if they're going to give him this mini babyface run. Ivar versus Gunther is something I want to see, so I guess I'm voting for Ivar to win that match. Also, next week, Nakamura put out an open challenge earlier on in the night, and he's being all cryptic, and, you know, somebody needs to stand up and stand up and show yourself and blah, 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 blah. The um, the video packages he's doing are sort of wandering away from how effective they were when he was facing Seth Rollins, but they're not completely out of out of line either. Um, Nakamura's open challenge has been answered next week by Tazawa. So next week Tazawa's gonna die. It's fine. Nakamura is gonna hit the GTS again, I bet. And if he does this, if Nakamura has another open challenge at at War Games, or yeah, at Survivor Series at War Games, and it happens to be in Chicago. I'm just saying, Nakamura versus CM Punk wouldn't hurt my feelings. Just putting it out there. They say that they have no interest in CM Punk, but they also say it a bit too much, which makes me smile. Sami Zayn versus Damian Priest is your main event. Speed versus power, obviously, look at the two of them. Um, great match between the two of them as well. I mean, Priest is over. Priest has Priest has this sort of weird radiating star power, kind of like a more subdued version of the kind of uh, star power that Rhea Ripley has right now. 
Finn Balor is a bigger name than Damian Priest, but Finn Balor seems happy to be the sort of happy tag team partner of Damian Priest. If I want to make a really, really lazy comparison, uh, look at later days DX where the, the focal point was Triple H and Shawn Michaels was happy to be his, like, buddy and his tag team partner and whatever. I mean, any given time, you could throw Finn Balor back into that title mix and it would be absolutely fine. If, if Cody Rhodes walks out of WrestleMania with the with Roman Reigns' title, figure out a way for him to defend it at least once against Finn Balor, because I think that would be really awesome. Um, the match was good. The match was also a countdown to nonsense because it's the Judgment Day. Dominic and Finn Balor run down to ringside. Priest hits the crossroads on, on Sami Zayn, and he talks right into the camera at Cody Rhodes because they have a match on Saturday. The commentary sort of fumbles with it because they're like, oh, that's like the reckoning that he used to use. You know, he hasn't used that move in a long time, and it's kind of like the crossroads. Meanwhile, he's hitting the crossroads and yelling at Cody Rhodes in the camera, and it's fine. Balor... Uh, Balor tries for a distraction of the referee. Dominic gets a cheap shot in. Jey Uso comes down to take out both Dominic and Finn. Then Jey Uso, for reasons, hops into the ring and super kicks Priest, getting a disqualification for Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn uh, isn't that upset by it. Jey Uso picks, him, picks up his buddy to make sure he's alright. There's a 3-on-2 beatdown. There's a 3-on-2 advantage. Cody Rhodes hobbles down on his one foot to make it 3-on-3. Three three. Um... Babyface is stand tall for a little bit. J.D. McDonough comes in to make the save, but Cody Rhodes holds him up for a haluva kick by Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn tosses him back to Cody Rhodes, who hits a crossroads on the commentary table, and then Cody Rhodes grabs the microphone to say something, drops it, and Sami says, don't worry about it, hit him again, and he picks him up for another crossroads on the table, um, you know, just for good measure, and then he... He grabs the microphone, he tells off Damian Priest, this is my story, your story is you're like the bitch of the Judgment Day, everybody is, you know, you're, you're following everybody, you're following Finn, you're following Rhea, you're even following Dominic Mysterio, my pathway is nice and clear, my pathway goes through you on Saturday, and that's basically it. I may not always like Cody Rhodes, but he will he will give you an impassioned speech, will he not? And he's managed recently to do it without reminding you who his wife and his dad and his brother are, and without crying and without bleeding. So, I guess progress is progress. I'm, I'm warming up to Cody Rhodes, as I say, but it's not going to be a night and day switch for me. This was a lot of fun. Really wanted to come up and talk to you guys and wish you guys happy Halloween. Really wanted to come up and talk about the tag team stuff that's going on because the return of DIY and the debut of the Creed Brothers is enough of a reason for me to talk about this episode of Monday Night Raw. Other than that, I mean, Judgment Day pretty much run everything. They, they're they building a small circle around Gunther of, of challengers for the Intercontinental Championship. They're trying to give all the ladies focus at once to varying degrees of success. I think... I think this episode of Monday Night Raw went into went into it tonight trying to serve a lot of masters and succeeded for the most part. And it was a lot of fun. And it wasn't too stupid just because it was Halloween. They had the one match. But on the other side of the coin, 
They, you got Hikaru Shida, who thinks she's a witch, literally coming off the top rope with a broom. So, everybody chill the fuck out. It's Halloween. We're allowed to have a little bit of goofy fun. Uh, to quote the great Simon Miller, goofy wrestling for life. It'll make you feel warm and fuzzy in your tum-tum. Anyways, that's it. Everybody listening to the sound of my voice right now, happy Halloween. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. Right now, I am